Wasteland. Um, so, so, you know, since the, we're doing new formats of shows, I uh, just want to go over what we're going to be talking about today. If you saw the ex- episode description, we are going to be talking about Transformers the movie. Uh, now, the reason I want to bring up or even discuss Transformers movies is one of a few things. One, it's, it's fucking amazing. It's a fucking great movie. Um, and the other thing, too, is because I damn trying to tie in a bunch of different like film theory or other other I guess film terms and ideas into the fray here that we're going to try to discuss and the one I want to look into or really find interesting surrounding Transformers the movie specifically is the idea of marketing and the idea of branding and all and uh merchandising and things along this more business side stuff not exactly we're going to go down to the business side of film and all that in this episode we're going to specifically talk more about transformers um not only the movie the toys but we're going to talk about sort of the commercialization of kids and how transformers really was like the beginning of it and all that uh back in the 80s uh, so without further ado, let's hit it. Autobots, roll out. We roll. All right. <clears throat> Sorry, I had to clear my throat over there for a second before I started recording again. But Transformers the movie. Uh, so just let's talk a little bit about the Transformers toy line, I guess. Because it really starts in the ni- in 1984, the toys. Uh, there were... Japanese toys back then. Um, Tora, Tora no Sofuma. I don't. I'm, I'm not even going to pretend that I can even get close to pronounce that toy line. But it was, uh, you know, we all know the Transformers toys. We know, well, not all of us know the Transformer toys, but we know the names like Optimus Prime. We know Bumblebee. We know like Starscream. We know Megatron and just like all these different names of these weird robots that what you could do, they just look like normal, like car toys or like a semi truck in the case of Optimus Prime. But then you move them around and and then they like transform into these mech, mech robots that you can have little battles with against each other. And, you know, like as a kid, it's always always fucking cool when you have little action figures like that. They can do more than one thing. And you can be like a car racing around with it. Then all of a sudden, boom, I'm going to make the sound. And then transforms into a little mech toy. Um, What I think supersedes this, this even toy line in general is the, uh, you know, tagline of it. Of more than meets the eye of robots in disguise, because honestly, um, when we think about it, or when I think about Transformers, I don't really think about um, the toys first. I think about this. theme song it's so fucking good it's a great theme song i love it but yeah so 1984 is when these toys were 
available really in the United States. Um, and then in 1986 is when this movie comes out. But the thing with, with this is that the toy line came first and then the TV show and then the movie and then subsequently the Michael Bay movies. But this isn't a, this wasn't a new thing that was occurring in, um, you know, the eighties or even the seventies and all that. Uh, it was, it was a thing that was happening cause, uh, you have toys like He-Man and GI Joe, then you had like Barbies and all this other stuff that they, they started making, um, different toys for, and in the case of Transformers, the toy came first, uh, I think the same. It's the same sort of thing for He-Man. Uh, it came around. I want to say the nineteen late nineteen seventies, where they were trying to come up with an idea of a uh, sort of just action figure, and they came up with the idea He-Man. And I believe the first series of toys got released around the same time as the first comic books of masters of the universe which is he-man came out so that is also another example of how um toys superseded the actual like media that we we are so i want to say accustomed to but just like familiar with so what you have here is sort of merchandising influencing the creative side of things which not, not to say it's gonna. It's supposed to be a bad thing, but it just it's a thing that happens. Uh, it doesn't have to be bad. So you know, ovals have this thing. What I would call the uh, commercial to toy pipeline or the toy to commercial pipeline. And essentially, what's going on is that in 1980s, you just have tons and tons of kids shows that are out there, just cartoons on standard network television. Now, where are you going to fill those airwaves with? You're going to fill it in with commercials for toys. And what are you going to fill those commercials with toys with? Toys that are based off of TV shows. But what if the TV show doesn't exist? And that's when you have things like um, He-Man that came up. That's why you things have... Uh, you had the toy line of Transformers that came first. And then you have the movie and the TV show that came out after that. Um so that's sort of what happens in the 1980s, in the 1970s, where you have this more, I guess, commercialization of toys and commercial. That's when I, you know, earlier I talked about the commercialization of kids in general. It's that. Are you going to make money off these kids? Because all of a sudden some of these kids have disposable income or the parents have more disposable income. It's the 1980s. We're coming out of a little bit more of a recession from the 1970s, around 1976, 1975, when we hit that recession. In the United States, 80s, you have that economic boom under the quote-unquote Reaganomics that lo and behold didn't work at all. They're still trying to fucking make it work. It doesn't. <laughs> um, so you have like specifically with Transformers the first toy lines came out in 1984 and that's when the first when the TV show came out so the TV show came out September 17th 1984 and uh, I've been trying to find like the exact first release date of the Transformers toy line because, you know, it'd be interesting how close between the TV show and the um, first 
I guess, production of these toys were occurring. All I know is that it was 1984. Because uh, before then, that's when uh, the Japanese company Takara made the toy lines of Diaclone and Microchange, which then got later rebranded to uh, Transformers. And Hasbro bought the rights in 1984 and rebranded them as Transformers for the North American market. And at the same time, like He-Man, the Transformers... Uh, had comic books made by Marvel who were now diving deep into my little research here specifically about the the Marvel comics of Transformers at the time uh, it's a very interesting story with the editor of the comics at the time because A, yes, he did bring uh, Marvel back from from irrelevance really I, for, I think it was Secret Wars that was uh, produced under him. Uh, I'm forgetting the name of the editor of Marvel Comics at the time, but that guy who was the editor of Marvel Comics at the time in the 1980s when Transformers were, was coming up, you know, he brought him back to, to rele relevance, but the f weird story is he was super homophobic and all that, wasn't allowing any sort of stories even touching on that and to the point where uh, the characters were homophobic in the comic books as well. Marvel comic books, not the Transformers comic books. Um, so that was interesting. It was a little like weird deep dive black hole or rabbit hole that I, I fell into when I was researching uh, a little bit more of the comic book or really more the toy line of Transformers. Um, so you have things like that that was going on. 1980s really, like I was saying, you do see more of an influx of people having money, you have things like cable television coming out, you have, you know, kids just having access to television almost all the time, so you can just sit down and just watch commercials all day, which don't get me wrong, I've, I've done that, I've sat down and put on a commercial compilation from the 1990s, from the 2000s, just to give myself a little nostalgia bump, because uh, <laughs> life is shitty nowadays, and sometimes you gotta make yourself happy by reminding yourself of when... You were happy. Unfortunately for me, that was when I was five years old. Um, wow, that got dark for a second. I'm going to keep that in. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that's like sort of was going on in the 1980s and for toys and all that. So you have, you know, G.I. Joe's coming out. You have He-Man coming out. Barbies were still kind of a big thing. Transformers. All of which, all these things had TV shows or different sort of related media that you can be like, hey, you just bought that new Optimus Prime toy. Now watch the new episode of Transformers next week where Optimus goes off on an adventure to defeat Megatron or whatever the fuck they, they said. I've seen the show. I haven't seen like commercials or the, uh, I guess, the interludes between them to know like how they introduced it because you know tv does that a lot they they're like tune in next week for blah 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 and in like spanish or latin american television specifically um after they do like the title scene they they say today we present and they say the episode name uh, specifically for the simpsons i'll just give that example so they'll do the simpsons theme and then the, they'll go to the tv where they're showing the the, the credits you know and they say Castellana and all that, and they say, hoy presentamos, and then whatever the fucking name of the TV show is. And I do apologize for my uh, my Spanish. I am trying to get it better. I do also apologize for my English, because who the fuck knows how to speak that fucking language, right? Um, 
look into the history of the English language. It is a goddamn mess. Anyway, so now that we talked a little bit about toys in the 80s, um, Transformers toys, sort of how the commercials were a back and forth influence between the toys itself and the show and whether, you know, the you know, the idea or the question of which came first. In this case, we know what came first. The toys came first. The commercials came first. The ideas for selling these things, toys and whatnot, came first before the idea of the TV show, these who the characters are, fleshing out what their motivations are and all that. That that came after. And for that, you know, we're going to go on and talk about the uh, Transformers movie from 1986. The Transformers will return after these messages. All right. So let's talk a little bit about this movie. Before we get on to my later topics that I want to talk about, which is going to be about like the evolution of commercialization of kids and merchandise and all that, but specifically right now, let's just talk about the Transformers movie from 1986. The best thing about this fucking movie is the soundtrack. I'm just gonna if I could start right there. In my in my notes, you know, I had you know, legacy. We're gonna talk a little about Orson Welles, the toys and all that still. Um but this goddamn soundtrack is amazing. I'm just gonna fucking see yeah, soundtrack. I'm gonna list off the, the soundtrack has its own Wikipedia page. Damn it. Released in nineteen eighty six, obviously the same same year as the movie was released. Uh, re-released in 1992. How many times do you see a movie soundtrack being re-released? You don't. Uh, just off the top, you have the touch. You got the power. That's the first fucking song on the fucking album. Yeah. Then you have all, you know, you have uh, the Vince DiColo's, um, you know, soundtracking, so normal, like, orchestra and all that is in it by Vince DiCola. Um, but then you have a bunch of other, like, I guess you would call glam rock, really, is what it is. Um, but you have stuff like Dare by Stan Bush. You have Nothing's Ever, Nothing's Gonna Stand in Our Way by Spectral, Spectre General, which wasn't even the name of the group. They came up with the name because it sounds fucking cool, and it is. Um uh, you have Hunger by Spectre General again. Dare to be Stupid by Weird Al is on this fucking album. And, of course, I'm saving the best for last. The fucking Transformers theme song. It's it's amazing. That's all I, that's all I really have to fucking say about it. Like, like when I, when I say the most... When I think about Transformers, not just, like, the tour... Like, in general... I don't think the toys. I don't think uh, the show. I don't think the characters. I think this. Because how can you not think of that? It's just think of Transformers. What is, what is the first thing you get to go through your head? Other than this, the transforming sound is Transformers. Like, this is what it is. It's great. And really, like, few times in his, film history, really, that you have where the soundtrack supersedes the movie itself. Like, the other ones I could think of off the top of the head, my head, the head. Um, 
you know, like the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack kind of supersedes the movie. Uh, Lion King, I would say almost, because like, as much as I love the movie, I probably listen to the music way more. And it probably is the same case for a lot of the Disney movies in terms of that. But this fucking soundtrack, man, it has Weird Al. Come on, dude. It's like, I first watched the movie and I was like, okay, cool. Obviously, I know what I'm in for in terms of with the animation, crisp. I really like it. I think it's rotoscope. Um, and I knew, you know, about the theme song. <laughs> and uh, I didn't know about the rest of the, you know, <laughs> music that I would be thrown at uh, in this movie. Because obviously, like, it's a Transformers movie. It's a kid's movie. It's going to have music. It's going to have all that. It's not a musical, but, like, it's there. Oh, here's the, here's the thing about Spectre General. Their real name is Kick Axe. But it sounded too threatening because it is a kick, uh, kid's movie. So they changed it to Spectral, Spectre General. And the band was not notified that they changed their name for the movie. Or for the soundtrack of the movie. <laughs> so, uh, mm, yeah. kind of sucks when they do that to people. Um, but like I was talking a little bit more about it, the legacy of the movie itself, uh, you know, you have the whole more than meets the eye thing. It's the movie takes place, I believe, between the second and third or the third and fourth season, in the middle of the show, essentially, because uh, it introduces a lot of like new characters and it takes the deaths of certain characters. Here really is where you get the trope of Optimus Prime dying in every single Transformers movie because it just seems like it's a trope now for Transformers in general um, that you have him dying for this cause and whatnot. Um, which does get carried on into the Michael Bay movies and all that. And, you know, it is what it is at that point. You know, he's following the trend of whatever is a hallmark of the franchise. And when we get to, fran uh, when we get to more discussion of franchise, what is a franchise and all that, uh, you know, we'll discuss that, um, probably later on when we do actual genre studies, uh, in this show. I'm talking about it like it's a whole fucking goddamn curriculum. And you know what? It's, this is uh, this is your, your free film school. <laughs> I'm saving you thousands of dollars uh, and painstaking time and headaches by not going to film school. You just listen to me. Um, film school burnout, <laughs> which originally the show was going to be called The Burnout. So, whoa. Uh, but I think that one was taken. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, legacy Michael Bay, obviously we're going to talk about Michael Bay, uh, just a little bit, just cause you know, taking some of that from this show and all that. Um, so that's what it builds on. Uh, this movie is not only the final movie for Orson Welles, it also is the final movies for Scatman Crothers. Uh, Wells died five days before or Wells died five days after finishing recording his his dialogue uh, and I guess at that point he was already like wheezing and gasping so a lot of the dialogue had to been saved had to have been saved by the uh, the sound editor and 
it did great because you know he plays Unicron, who Unicron is the giant transforming planet that goes and devours everything. So in the first like actual part of the movie before he gets into the theme song, uh, you're introduced to Unicron, you're introduced to what he's doing. He's devouring planets essentially, and it is brutal. Um, it is 1986, so uh, they're not really taking too much uh, in terms of consideration of for kids because I believe at this time there's not even a PG-13 rating. So there's G, PG, and R. So they could just do whatever the fuck they wanted on this one because I forget when uh, Gremlins came out. Gremlins and... Temple of Doom is really the one that like brought up this PG-13 rating. And again, when we do actual history, we'll get into that. Uh, Gremlins. Jesus, that's not what I'm looking for. The Gremlins. What? Oh, of course, it's, it's, a, it's a car as well. 1984. So it's the same year. So yeah, there you go. And this movie, or Gremlins came out in June. And then uh, I think Transformers came out in July or something. So it was around the same time. So, yeah, PG-13 did not exist. So that explains why a lot of the animations, uh, the deaths, the just destruction of these Transformers is so brutal. Because, you know, like, there's oil, I guess, or whatever would be considered the, the viscera of these uh, autonomous robots <laughs> or sentient robots. I'm sorry. Autonomous just means they can move on their own. Sentient means that they can think. And senti uh, there's sentience and sentient. So sentience means you can think. And sapience, I think, means you have uh, intelligence. And uh, there's another one that just means that you can feel. I forget. Well, it's not an English podcast. It's a sports podcast. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so... The movie itself, when I was doing my little research beforehand, I was reading that there really wasn't a completed draft, as you would call it, of the script. It went through several, several, several rewrites and mashups and just, it was all over the place, right? Because they were just trying to develop it with, this is the case of of um, three different departments working independent of each other, trying to guess what they're doing. So you have the toy department, the ad department, and the animation department, right? And the animation department it goes hand in hand with the creative side of it, who is making the movie. Uh, so you have these three different departments working independently of each other to try to create a singular vision of what story they're trying to tell. Um, and it's very, 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 very noticeable once you realize that this this movie had very, just tons and tons and tons of different rewrites. And it's either they were different drafts or completely different ideas. Different people were writing different things. And it ultimately, they just took what they could to put together and made a whole movie. Like it, the original ending of the movie, I guess it's out there. I forget where you can find it. I think it's one of those things where fans go out and naturally look for themselves. So if you're a huge fan of Transformers and the Transformers movies, you can go out and find them on some forums, maybe write some fanfic there, you know, 
write that steamy fanfic of uh, Optimus Prime and Megatron going from enemies to lovers. I feel like that's a big trope, right? Not that I know anything about fanfic, right? <laughs> anyway, um, so according to like the director Nelson Shin, who you know, like I said, directed this one, um, like much of the movie had to have been put together. So originally, whatever story they were putting out, I think they maybe took one or two ideas from that because originally. Because there's that matrix of leadership and all, and uh, which you know is inside the optimist's chest and all that. That became a different idea. It was like an abstract idea at first, not like an actual physical object that he would pass on to the next leader of the Autobots. Um, so that was weird, and uh, the movie. Does you can you can follow the narrative because it's essentially just uh, the Decepticons trying to destroy the Autobots on Autobot City on Earth, and then they f realize that there's a bigger threat, which is the uh, Unicron, and you know Unicron is the devourer of planets and all that. Uh, but there's an interesting compare and contrast here because essentially both sides lose, right? So when the Decepticons attack the Autobots on Autobot City on Earth, they both have, suffer heavy casualties. This is where Optimus Prime dies. And, Opt and uh, Megatron also, you know, gets injured. But you could tell what they're going for here in terms of writing what they're trying to tell you. you know, the Autobots are mournful and they're trying to regroup. Meanwhile, the Decepticons, on the other hand, they start infighting almost immediately. So good and bad sort of tropes you can work with here trying to show kids if you're working on the side of good you're supposed to come together and think of a solution meanwhile if you're not you know you're not uh this movie actually was the first time that a female transformer showed up on screen because it was a mandate that uh, the Transformers toys and the cartoon series had no female Transformers as the toys were directly marketed toward boys. But the writer of the movie, Ron F uh, Friedman, had uh, his daughter was a huge fan of the, the, the show and the toys and all that, and so they created RC, um, which was introduced in the second season of the Transformers movie, or show, which was taking place right before or which takes place right before the movie comes out so there you go weird to say that that they went so long without having a female character and now they have that and then they don't up until the next one that comes out which is funny at the time of the recording i didn't mean to do this on purpose but they released the trailer for beast wars or rise of the beasts it's it's beast wars and they include rc weird Weird that they're trying to go back to their roots because uh, <laughs> Michael Bay did not. Michael Bay did not try to do that at all. Anyway, um, the movie's actual handling of, I guess, its narrative for as much of a patchwork as it is, it does still put apart or push its story. So... 
if you're looking at it from the Autobots point of view, it's a story about them suffering major losses, being separated, coming back together. In in a way, it, it, I guess you could say it's almost Star Warsy. But again, Star Wars it does build itself off of the idea of the hero's journey. So if anything starts feeling like it's Star Warsy, just know that it's probably just hero's journey that they're replicating, um, because that's what Lucas based a lot of Star Wars off is is that that idea of hero's journey going through the steps of of all that you know your loss, your separation, your call to adventure, and all that. Um, I guess when we actually talk about Star Wars, we'll do a whole episode on on just the hero's journey because that is just interesting to talk about. Um, but after that, you know, the movie's just really kind of straightforward. It's a straightforward kids movie, and honestly, I I've seen it. So I watched it the first time for the for the show, right, to make my notes and all that. Then I watched it again. And then I watched it again because the movie's only like an hour and 20 minutes long. Feature length is only supposed to be 70 minutes, so an hour and 10. It's a feature length movie, so this is an 84 minute movie. Uh, and it's great, <laughs> I fucking loved it. Uh, but it tying back into that whole idea of the marketing and all that, like I was saying earlier, this movie was a, almost a collaborative effort between the three departments of advertising um advertising animation and geez what did the other one say toy because obviously it's the toy department um but that's the 1980s right what about now we're gonna we're gonna take ourselves out of uh transformers the movie 1984 we're gonna insert ourselves into the 2000s or, or the 90s and later on so more modern era stuff so the stuff in the 80s is really like oh we need to make the toys and the toys are going to influence the the movies or tv show and all that now we're going to get it the other way around that's what the 90s are that's what it is now um so yeah, 1980s, you have the invent of cable television, but then the 90s, you have the explosion of cable television. Then 2000s, just the general acceptance of it as a household thing. Because almost everyone around the time was, you know, I don't actually have the the numbers for it, but uh, cable television is was immensely popular. Um you know, it gave you access to so many different channels and all that, but that also means that it's also access to a lot of different commercials. So you have this time of infomercials and all that. And uh, when you look at the more kid-oriented t- uh, television station, so in this case, we're going to use the two examples of Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon because uh, those are the ones I'm more familiar with. I'm not really familiar with how Disney ran commercials or bumps and all that on their channel, on Disney Channel. There's actually very interesting see a couple of episodes about it on Defunct Land. Not not exactly like how Disney Channel ran their commercials and all that. It's just very, very interesting uh, episode about the Disney Channel in general. Defunct Land being a YouTube channel. Um no way, shape, or form. Know the guy who runs it. I just really like the content. <laughs> Go check it out. Um, but yeah. So you have that. 
proliferation, I guess. That's the fucking word I was looking for. This is why I talk so much because I'm fucking looking for a word and proliferation is really that, I think. <laughs> I've heard it. Um, but because of that, on channels like Nickelodeon, on channels like Cartoon Network, and I'm just going to throw out Disney Channel there because it is kids programming. They have requirements for how you are supposed to market towards kids and what you're supposed to do in that case. So in this case for the, those kids channels is what they're supposed to be doing is they run a bump bef at the begin or at the end uh, or the beginning of the commercial break and at the end of the commercial break. So it'll always be like after these messages we'll be right back. And the reason being is so the kids can differentiate between what the show is and what the uh, and what the commercials are, because oftentimes the commercials would come in as animated shows. And if the kids were stupid, which is, I guess, what the marketers and the marketing teams back then were kind of just pushing that idea that kids are fucking stupid, that they just needed that help in terms of figuring out what was what. <laughs> uh, so that's really interesting that that's the thing that happened in the uh, that happens on those channels. But because of that, you have consistently just toys coming out for different movies and all that. But now that the toy to movie pipeline is reversed, um, which is what we're going to call it now, the toy to movie pipeline is not movie to toy. Because uh, you have Disney having their uh, second renaissance in the 90s. You have Pixar coming out. Uh, you have toys coming out for those things. So you have some Lion King toys that were produced. You have, uh, you know, if you go to McDonald's, you have all the toys that are coming from those movies. So you have a kid see a commercial for McDonald's for, you know, a Hercules toy. And the kid gets excited, like, oh, I want to go see that. Or they saw the, 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 the McDonald's they go to. <laughs> they go to get the toy for McDonald's and then go see the movie. Or go see the movie and then go get the toy. It's weird that that was the thing that was happening. But it leads into that sort of thing where what is really tying into what and who's borrowing from who at this point, which is about a nebulous period where you really don't can't tell if the movies were 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 pitched as toy ideas first and then made into movies, or it was a movie and then it got pitched to a toy idea. So Transformers, He-Man, G.I. Joe very, very clearly were toys, toys first and then uh, were made into TV shows. Uh, but now you have movies and they were taking characters made into action figures and all that. So you have, you know, I had a, I had a Woody toy. I had a Buzz toy. I had all, I, you know, I had that growing up and Toy Story came out in 1995, 96. That was 1996, 1995. I was young. And then they had those toys. But then if you go later on, we're going to go, continue on from Toy Story. We're going to go to like the X-Men stuff in the early, early two thousands. You started to realize some of the, some of the, the, the toys are, are looking like the characters from the movies. And still at this point, you really have, um, toys based off of just kids movies, right? And then Star Wars comes out 1999, right? So Star Wars episode one, Phantom Menace, not Star Wars, 1977 and I call it Star Wars 1977 because that's the proper name of that movie it is not New Hope um, 
it's it's Star Wars Empire Strikes Back Return of the Jedi. Then it's Phantom Menace, uh, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, and then we omit the last three because let's just face it, they omitted their their creative process when making it. And actually, whenever they were talking about Star Wars with that and toys, um, Phantom Menace came out with tons and 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 tons of toys based off the characters that they just added in the movie, right? So you had, I found a toy on the pilot from one of the Naboo pilots that was in the, that was helping Padme out. Like that's a toy. I found it at at a, at a, a thrift shop for like a buck. The shit was probably like 10, $10, $12 when it was released. Right. Then you have, I, I found a toy of the, the Gungan, the Gungan like leader. Like I'm not, I see the movie and I'm like, I'm not, I don't want to play with the Gungans. I want to play with the Jedi. I want to play with the with the droids. I want to play with the fucking people with the guns, shooty things, right? Uh, not this weird rabbit frog. <laughs> uh, but that goes into that idea of the commercialization of kids, because at its core, Star Wars are kids' movies. Transformers is a kids' movie. Uh, you know, Lion King is a kids' movie. Toy Story is a kids' movie. So who 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 are really going to be the people who are going to go see the movie? It's going to be kids or the the adults who were kids who saw the first movies and go take their kids to share that experience, right? And then their kids are going to want to buy the toys because Star Wars 1977 had tons of toys also released for it because at this point you had all these new characters that you could have done things with. But the idea of having toys wasn't influencing... Um, the movies itself yet because then you have later on the line now where i'm just going to put examples of uh two movies specifically uh star wars rise of skywalker and jurassic world uh dominion well really we can just take the jurassic world series in general you watch those movies and you and you see a scene you're like oh that would be cool as a toy and guess what most likely is a lot of these big set pieces either get turned into toys, get turned into Lego sets, um, and they're just churning it out. Uh, they're like, hey, you know this character? This character is now a toy. Oh, you know that one scene? It's a play set that you can buy. It's a Lego set you can build. Um, so really, what is driving the movies now? Because you, at a certain point, have to realize that just because something is made as a commercial doesn't mean that it's supposed to be soulless. Rise of Skywalker was kind of soulless. Dominion was soulless. Uh, Lost Kingdom, I think it was called, was, was stupid. But like Transformers, the movie is amazing. It's a piece of art, I think. Toy Story is great. It's a fucking, that really is a piece of art. Lion King is amazing. But you still had toys based off of it. What is it now that that are they just trying to get um, money back from it? Same thing you could say about cars. Basically, you got a friend for only nineteen ninety nine. Is what they're saying. Um, and what does that happen now? Because you got to realize a lot of kids are watching YouTube. 
those commercials still play, but there's no bumps. <laughs> and, and now it's brand that I've seen. I watch some YouTube, um, and, and every once I, I get mostly car commercials, the occasional commercial in, in Togalo for some reason. Um, I'm not going to say the words I know how to say because you know what, uh, but it's a lot of brands. So I get a lot of Nerf stuff for some reason. Have I ever searched Nerf videos? No. I've ever heard, like, I guess the the most childish things I've watched, but maybe like commercials for, for the Super Mario movie, maybe the commercial compilations from the 2000s, and they give me these toy commercials now. But they all kind of suck. It's all on YouTube, and your, kid, your kids are constantly bombarded by it, consistently bombarded by it. Not like it was before. Technology is all over the place. Uh, before, you know, you, you would kind of know and you can kind of control what you can kind of, you know, show your kids. Now you can't really. Um, now we don't have things like Transformers, really, you know? We have the same recycled uh, few franchises. And don't get me wrong, I love Transformers. And it's still, they're still making movies and still making toys on it. But like, go down the toy aisle right now. What do you see? You'll see Hot Wheels toys. There's a whole aisle just dedicated to Star Wars toys. There's a whole aisle dedicated to like Disney stuff, Disney toys. And majority of that is the movies that they made. You could see like you could go go for yourself. You see what I can mean what I'm talking about where a lot of these scenes that you see in movies Go right now. Black Panther just came out. Go find a toy set from one of the scenes from the movies. I guarantee you find it. Anyway. So that's like kind of what I wanted to say about Transformers the movie, about marketing around kids' movies because of the commercialization of toys. Um, and where does that lead us now? I mean, you have streaming who has zero commercials. So there's that. I haven't really seen any toys from like uh stranger things or anything like that because most of the streaming services um it's like adult entertainment right not not that not that way get your mind out of the gutter guys but like it's veered towards that like i don't think kids are gonna want to play with an action figure of pablo escobar maybe who knows um so that's in streaming in toys, like I said, go down the toy aisle, it's the same few toys. There's not really any explosion of invention or creativity in them. I can go and get an Optimus Prime right now. Hell, I'll probably go get an Optimus Prime, post it on my Instagram to show you guys that it happens. Um, and advertising is never going to go away. So that's that. You know, that's what I have to say. It's weird how this this show turned from, hey, I like this movie, go see it, to like, hey, your kids are getting bombarded by constant commercials and the movies are only getting worse. So there's that. <laughs> anyway, um, like I mentioned in the previous uh, previous commercial, previous episode, I'll give a little updates here and there. I am also the host, uh, uh, co-host of a podcast called Red Run Radio where we discuss... You know, general interest idea, a uh, general interest, true crime, paranormal stuff, and just little cheese me. You know, I host it with uh, with family, so that's that's always good. 
so go check them out. Red Rum Radio, it's available on Apple and on Spotify. It's also redrum.radio on Instagram. Um, I have uh, I have something special coming along for Christmas, obviously. Uh, I promised one last year, but this year I'm actually going to do it. Uh, and, and uh, you know, working on getting more guests on the show because uh, it's always weird talking to myself about things that that I know. It'd be cool to talk about it with other people who don't really know. You know, that way we can share ideas and all that. Um, I am Video Store Wasteland on Instagram, VSWL Pod on Twitter. Not like I use it. Uh, so yeah, if you go go follow me there. Obviously, I'm on Apple. I'm on Spotify. So you know, thank you guys. This is Brian, and I hope to see you once again here in the wasteland.